Hi everybody, it's good to see you again. Um, we're doing part four of Supreme Blessedness and um, I'm teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. It's the first, uh, the, and I'm teaching on the Beatitudes, which is the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. And so it's in Matthew chapter five. And um, we wonder, you know, why the Sermon on the Mount is so important and it really is. And the reason it's so important is because these are the words of Jesus, and Jesus died to enable us to live the very words that he preached. And nothing, I don't think, in the Bible shows us the absolute and ultimate need that we have for the new birth, the Holy Spirit, and his work in us more than the Sermon on the Mount, because we couldn't possibly live the Sermon on the Mount without the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And the more that we read it and study it and do what it says, the more we will receive the promised blessings that are uh, given to us by Jesus in it. And we have to remember that studying and learning about the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes without living it is completely and totally worthless. So we need to live it, we need to practice it, and we need to give ourselves to it. And the promised blessings will come, which is really awesome. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 14 are called the Beatitudes, which um, one of the, uh, it, it talks about blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And one of the meanings of that word blessed is supreme blessedness. So that's what I've titled this series. And these verses have to do with things that are going on on the inside of us. And they have to do with our spiritual birth, our spiritual health and our character and our maturity. They talk about what's going on in our inner man. So Jesus didn't leave us in the dark. The Sermon on the Mount tells us what our character and our conduct should be like. So um, in other words, uh, our conduct, our character, uh, determine, our character, what's on the inside of us, determines our conduct. In Matthew 7, 17, it says, Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So if we have stuff on the inside of us that's really good, our conduct and the things that come, out, uh, uh, come about on the outside will be really good. So let's go ahead and <clears throat> go to the uh, beatitude for today. It's uh, Matthew 5, 7. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, I just love uh, this beatitude. Uh, Jesus is telling us that blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, the Greek word mercy here does not really have a great English a word to define it. It's not the exact same thing that we think of as mercy in our English language. The closest meaning that we have in our English language is empathy or sympathy. It's to understand another person's feeling, and it doesn't, it doesn't just stop there. It means to not only to understand how they feel and feel along with them, but it means to act upon those feelings. <clears throat> so the word doesn't mean just to feel, to feel another person's feelings, but it means it's an action word. So at its best, mercy is God's reaction to our sin, and it should be our reaction to other people's sins. 
Now to the people of that day, to the Greeks and the Romans and to many Jews, mercy was a sign of weakness. One Roman philosopher of that day wrote, mercy is a disease of the soul. Now Jesus didn't say that, but a Roman philosopher said mercy is a disease of the soul. So it wasn't really an attribute that people really thought well of. As I've said in previous sessions, these disciples that Jesus was talking to were not looking for a merciful Messiah. They were looking for a conquering hero who would wipe out the Roman Empire. They were looking for uh, a return of the uh, nation of Israel and its reestablishment. So they weren't really happy about uh, uh, Jesus saying that blessed are, are the merciful. So we, uh, when I think about that and how the disciples must have thought it, I think about, you know, what's going on in our nation today. And in an election year, it's, the tendency is to act without mercy to achieve political gain. And I think we can see that, um, so often. If we ever listen to the news or, or anything like that, we can see a lot of people that do not have mercy. <clears throat> But, you know, people who make a difference in their world for the kingdom of God have to be people that are different. They have to be, uh, have to have unique qualities of character that distinguish them from the, from the rest of the world. And these are qualities that naturally spring up from people who have the life of Christ dwelling in them. And one of those qualities is mercy. And if you see a person that mercy overflows out of them. You can know that, that the life of Jesus Christ dwells in them. So in everything that we say and in everything that we do, we need to act with mercy if we want to be shown mercy and if we want to be supremely blessed. You know, a week or so, or so ago, um, a well-known person um, made a public statement that she was dealing with a, a mild, um, some mild depression because of COVID and the resulting uh, social isolation. And this woman could be seen, uh, is seen as a politically polarizing person. And I received a P Facebook message from a Christian forwarding a, a really demeaning Facebook post about it and calling this woman and her husband really ugly names and even calling them both uh, transsexuals. And instead of being merciful and, and praying for a person that said that she was dealing with depression, um, she was really hateful and ugly and, and, and just not merciful at all. And I found that really heartbreaking that, that a time that a Christian could be called upon to really be merciful and, and have the heartbreak that somebody's telling, telling us that they're depressed, that we could be praying for them, that, that we're, we're, we're just mocking them and, and calling them evil names. My heart was just breaking. But unfortunately, I found this thing really common now among Christians just for political gain. And I don't really, if I search the Bible out, I don't really find that attitude in Jesus. I don't find that kind of attitude in Jesus. If you think about the woman taken in, in adultery, um, 
how many Christians do you know would say, how dare she sleep around with a married man? I hope she gets what she deserves. But Jesus did not do that. Jesus had mercy on her. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't have judgment on her. He had mercy on her. He told her not to sin anymore. He dealt with her sin, but he had mercy on her. You know, her sins were abhorrent to him. He didn't like them at all, but he didn't deal with her according to her sins. He dealt with her with an enormous amount of mercy and compassion. I think that's wonderful. And in another instance in Luke 9, verse 52, it, it says, And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people were, did not, there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked him, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? See, these were, you know, um, James and John were religious people of their day, and they were going to call down fire on the Samaritans. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. See, Jesus was not going to call down fire on the Samaritan village because they didn't do something that, you know, Jesus wanted them to do. See, Jesus came to seek and save people, not to call down fire and destroy them. Jesus had mercy. And I've heard Christian people in their prayers and in their comments want to call down fire on people, want them destroyed, want that evil destroyed. But Jesus has mercy. And that ought to be the hallmark of every Christian. Every Christian ought to be full of mercy. We can address sin. We can disagree with people, but we need to be full of mercy. In Luke 23, verse 33, it says, And when they came to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and one on the left, that means criminals, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, Jesus had mercy on the people who were brutalizing him, mocking him and killing him. If there was ever time to say something bad about somebody or to address somebody in a, in a rude or, or an unbecoming way, that, I guess, would have been a good time. Jesus could have found some names to call them, I suppose. But Jesus didn't do that. He asked the Father to forgive them. And I think that we need to have that kind of an attitude. We don't need to always be coming, coming up with names to call people or finding rude things to say or, you know, spreading lies about people that we don't agree with. We need to have mercy upon people and forgive them. You know, if we want to be blessed, if we want to be shown mercy, we need to be merciful people. And an example that I find uh, that I really have trouble dealing with and grappling with uh, is in uh, one of the letters that Peter wrote. See, we don't find this ugly attitude that I talked about er earlier in Peter. Um, he wrote this letter during the reign of Nero. And Nero was one of the most evil rulers that has ever lived on the face of the earth. Uh, you know, we've heard about Hitler and, and people like him. 
Well, Nero is, is definitely in the class of Hitler. He absolutely made a sport of killing Christians. And this is what Peter wrote in regard to rulers of his day, including Nero. In 1 Peter 2.17, it says, Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. That is really hard to swallow. That is very hard to swallow, but that is God's instruction to us. We are not to call people names. We are not to belittle people. We're not to uh, just act unmercifully. We're supposed to be full of mercy. And I think some people feel like they have to act this way to achieve their political goals, but you know, the Bible says that some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord or God. You know, we can achieve the plan of God on this earth without acting like the world. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, carnal or not worldly, but they're powerful. They're powerful if we use spiritual warfare. It's more, much more powerful than than uh, using the warfare of this world, which is ugly and it's nasty and it's of the devil, it's full of lies and demeaning people and, and it's not merciful, but God's way is full of mercy, it's full of love, it's full of forgiveness, and that's the way Christians will stand out. And that's the way Christians will be shown mercy and that's the way Christians will be blessed. And that's the way the kingdom of God will grow. Uh, we have to remember that uh, the mercy that we show other people will very, very, very seldom be shown back by humans. But God promises us his mercy when we show people mercy. And his blessings are promised to those who show that are merciful. So we want what God promises. Now I'm going to read you some scriptures from the Bible about being merciful. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 1, it says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So in other words, if we want mercy, we will have to show it. In Micah 6, 8, it says, He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You know, we love mercy coming our way, but we need to love mercy coming out of us. In John 13, 34, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I loved you, uh, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So God loved us so much that we need to love other people. We don't need to be mean and cruel and rude and, and, and uh, we just need to love people. In Colossians 3:12, it says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender hearted mercy. Isn't that awesome? So in other words, the clothes that we have on should be tender-hearted mercy toward everyone. 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. And Matthew 5, verse 43 you have heard what the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, this is what, you know, people people have heard in the past, and Jesus was kind of setting the record straight, and this is what Jesus wanted us to do. But I say, love your enemies. So Jesus is telling us to love everybody. He's telling us to walk in love toward people we agree with, and people we don't agree with. People that we don't agree with adamantly, that people we think are horrible, that people that we think are evil, that people that we think are stealing our country, are taking our country off the deep end, we are supposed to love them, and we are supposed to be merciful toward them. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends or only to people who agree with you or your political viewpoints, how are you different from anyone else. I want to ask you that. How are you different than anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. In Proverbs 24, 17, it says, Don't rejoice when your enemies fall. Don't be happy when they stumble. For the Lord will be displeased with you and will turn his anger away from them. So if you're happy when your enemy falls, the Lord will be displeased with you, and he won't be angry with them. In other words, I think he might be angry with you, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. In Romans 12, verse 14, it says, Blessed are those who persecute thee. Bless those, I'm sorry, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Let's let that sink in a little bit. We need to, a lot of times we need to let our actions catch up with the Bible a little bit. Because these things don't happen too often in Christian circles. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. In other words, be merciful. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. 
Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are, you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Scripture says, I will take revenge. I will, take, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil with good. And that last uh, verse is so important. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good or conquer evil with mercy. Be merciful to people. That's so important. And Romans 2.4 says God's kindness or God's mercy leads you toward repentance. And I just want to say that to you. Um, think about that. If God's kindness leads you towards repentance, won't your kindness lead other people toward repentance? If you're mean and cruel and ugly and nasty toward people that are sinners and don't agree with you, don't agree with your political views that you think are mean and nasty and, and everything, if you're rude and crude to them, do you think that that will lead them toward repentance? Or do you think that your mercy and kindness toward them will lead them toward repentance? I think that we need to use God's example and we need to use kindness and mercy to lead people toward repentance. And Jesus says that blessed are those who are merciful. So if we want to be blessed, if we want to walk in supreme blessedness, we need to be merciful. And God promises us that he will show us mercy. In closing, God's mercy demands that we care enough to bring others to Jesus Christ, the God of all mercy. So as you go about this week, I want you to ponder and meditate upon this and just let God's mercy rise up in you and just pray that, that God would help you to see other people with mercy and that he would help you to extend his mercy to other people and that his love would flow out of you and that it would draw other people to repentance. You have a blessed and good week, and I just encourage you to share this message with other people. Bye-bye.